Let's talk about our democracy for a minute. But let's do it in a way that makes the snowflakes' heads explode. Let me be clear before this podcast begins. We are loud, loud proud, proud, and do not give a fuck. This is the Tony Michaels Podcast. Real and raw political and social commentary. The freedom to oppress the rights of other people is not liberty, you shit-eating moron. Ah, the smell of freedom of speech. This is the Tony Michaels Podcast, and this is Tony Michaels. Hey, Tony, fuck them. Welcome, everybody. This is the Tony Michaels and this is Gabe Sanchez, and we've put together the best of the week from the Tony Michaels Podcast. Don't go anywhere. Stay right here for the best of the week. And not only did they did they win, they trounced the fascist in Kansas. They absolutely trounced them. Um, I want to welcome a great political strategist. He's going to give us years and years and years of his knowledge of what happened Yesterday, and what this means, not just for for the Democratic Party, but for democracy, because I think that is so important. And I think this political strategist brings that knowledge to us that it's not just important for a political party. I've talked to him so many times on air during the January 6th select. I am I'm so happy to have him back. I haven't had a chance yet. We've been so busy. I haven't had a chance to thank him yet for joining us on all those January 6th uh, select hearings. So I'd like to do it now. And I want to welcome uh, David Bender. David, how are you? Well, I'm good. And and uh, you're very welcome. But, you know, I charge per year. Do you? So years and years and years of experience. Oh, okay, okay. Per well, per year. So, I, you know, you'll get my bill. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, Send it, it over. Send it uh, over. Actually, you know, it, it, at a certain point, we have a cap on it. It's, a, it, you know, when you get to decades. Uh, I I do want to say, first of all, you're welcome. I've been listening to the show this morning and, and I think you're spot on Mm -hmm. what has happened. David, David, I'm always spot on. I'm always, I'm always spot. spot. (laughs) I'll I'll call it the sweet spot. And, and the sweet spot here is sweet for a lot of people who saw this. And I, and I, I'm, Pleased to say I, I was one of them. This was not a I know that the polls showed, and let's let's agree now, Tony, that polls are insane in, in the era in which we live because we're not polling people who actually vote. We're polling uh, I, I don't even know who answers polls anymore. And I know that there are some people, particularly uh the Trumpist uh or as you would call them the fascist uh, Cheeto dust people, these people refuse to play along. In fact, they mislead in what they're going to do. So let's, I, I, I think we've been polling too much for years. And the polls that showed that Kansas would be close and possibly go the other way, had no clue about how people were really motivated and feeling in a way that I think we saw in the results yesterday the, the number of voters exceeded the 2020 primary, a presidential year in an off year, uh, in an August. I mean, come on. People are deeply motivated when you take away something from them. 
And this is what the Republicans continually failed to understand. They were going to take away Obamacare because, you know, in 2010, everyone hated Obamacare before they knew what it was. And they won big victories campaigning against it. They thought, oh, we'll keep doing that. But they were fighting the old war, not realizing that once people had it and they liked it, you take it away from them and they're pissed off. Now, this is even as significant as healthcare is. This is going to the lives and literally the lives of women all across America, no matter their political party. And, and what I found astounding last night, and I, you know, I, I have a great regard for Steve Kornacki at MSNBC. I think he's great with numbers, but he missed something, which is unusual for him, but he missed it big time. He was talking about the Biden vote in counties and comparing that to the no vote in Kansas on the no vote being keeping abortion. And he was comparing apples to oranges. This wasn't a Democrat-Republican issue. Right. This was a human issue. And it, the only thing now, and the big question with, what is it, 98 days left to the November election, and, and less than that to when people start voting in October, is we've got to hang this around the Republicans' necks. Every candidate for every office at every level, but particularly the U.S. House and Senate, have to defend the Supreme Court and have to defend their long record of saying they wanted to take away a woman's right to choose. Because they've won that for a while. And if they want to campaign on that in November, good luck to them in Dark red districts like Kansas. Good luck to those Republicans who have to run on their record. Now, if the Democrats are not a circular firing squad, if the Democrats figure out a way to aim at the Republicans and not one another, this is a target that is so fat and so obvious, and you just shoot them with their own ammunition. They've given us that weapon years and years, 40 years of. We're going to do this thing. Okay. As you said, they caught the car. Mm -hmm. They should choke on the exhaust pipe. Right. Well, the wheel is on top of them for sure. Uh, I want to bring in my co-host and uh, a friend of ours, Gabe Sanchez. Hey, Gabe. Hey, morning. Hey, morning. Good morning. So um, I want to talk about yesterday because yesterday was big victories. There was more than just the midterms. Uh, yesterday, we watched as the Senate pulled the PACT Act over the line. Um, we this morning, OPEC is announcing that they're going to up production, um, which is another win for this administration but by them saying, yes, we're going to up production to make sure the gas costs uh, keep going in the correct direction, which is downward. Wow. There are so many, so many successes here that the pro-democracy party are delivering to American people. And I think you're right that they are noticing it's this, 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 this polling where um, Joe Biden has a, 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 a bad approval rating. Let me tell you something. The polls are wrong, but not only are they wrong, people aren't making their decisions based on Joe Biden being the president because no. Joe Biden is not threatening. Joe Biden is not threatening their rights. It's right. the Republicans. It's it's the Kerry Lakes. 
It's it's the 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 Eric Schmitz. It's it's these people in, in, in Michigan. It is Herschel Walker. It is Dr. Oz. It is J.D. Vance. It is Ron DeSantis. These Republicans like Greg Abbott and some of these others are the ones who are coming after your way of life. But just in the last 48 hours, we've had so many successes that are proving. And I believe and I said it this morning that this idea of pro-democracy is now starting to bake in the cake, which is super important. And that is why we have to keep pushing and pushing and pushing and lean into politicizing these issues. I So many times um, we get comments, me and Gabe, and I know, David, you probably have heard this too. Democrats aren't tough enough. Democrats don't fight hard enough. The messaging is horrible over and over and over again. The one thing that Democrats are learning very quickly, and the select committee has kind of taught them this, and I don't know if Liz Cheney knows this or not, but I think she kind of rubbed off on them a bit. Yep. We are starting to politicize these issues, and we are winning by knowing that politicizing them creates engagement, and engagement in the democracy gets a result that gets closer to equality and equity. I, I, I defer to Gabe. Yeah, I think, well, I even think that some of these issues like, you know, gas prices and things like that, we've got 19 states that are below $4, 15 states that are below 389 Like, we're finding that these issues that Republicans have made such a big deal about are, are not issues anymore. And I wouldn't be surprised that in the next month that doesn't even become a talking point anymore because it's not really that important in the grand scheme. In the grand scheme... You have to deal with these people that you've identified as these pro-fascist leaders or wannabe dictators that are attempting to rule and reign over the people and take rights away. So I think for these other things that they've made such a big deal about, like, oh, you know, putting a sticker on a gas pump saying, I did that, right? Well, it turns out those things have actually backfired, and it actually is Biden pointing at the gas price going down. I dropped it. I dropped right. it. I, I did that. The price is going down because of me. <laughs> so you see these things that are actual non-issues. And I think, again, probably in the next month or so, they won't even be a talking point because Republicans will have dropped them. Democrats will say, we can mention it, but that's not the bigger problem that's at stake right now. So I think... Um, I think a lot of, I mean, I don't know what other small things they're going to complain about other than just projecting, but none of us can know. And that's, listen, I have been doing this as we know, since Grover Cleveland, second term, not fourth. (laughs) (laughs) Don't put too much age on David. That was was a tough one. You know, they they accused him of having an illegitimate child and and the attack was, Mama, where's my pa? Gone to the White House. Ha, ha, ha. Anyone anyway. So uh, I'm sorry. I don't remember that, but let's pretend I do. Here's here's what I do want to say. We don't know. Gabe, you're right. We don't know what the issues are going to be. And one of the things that I always really chuckle at, sometimes get annoyed by, is the phrase, if the election were held today. Because when someone says that, Number one, they've never done a campaign. And number two, it never is because they're saying if it were. When now we have October as an entire voting month, fewer states, less you know, early voting, but still October is when voting starts. So it's you know not one day, but if if by the end of September we have a sense of what 
the American people are focused on and what things are driving people's interest in wanting to vote. The end of September is going to be the measurement, and that is two months away from now. We've got some time, and a lot of things can change. They always do. That's the one thing you can count on is the unexpected. But let's look at what happened. You just ticked off a few of them. Let's mention that uh, al-Zwahari has been taken out. That is an incredible victory mm-hmm. that this Democratic president, this so-called weak on terrorism, he abandoned Afghanistan. Well, he took out the guy who was the greatest threat who killed tens of thousands of Americans and, and people around the world, civilians, over 20 years, 30 years of, of running free, uh, 30 years of this. This is a huge victory that we all should say made this country safer because Joe Biden was the president. But you're right. It's not going to be about Joe Biden. shouldn't be. It should be about each of those. This election should be nationalized. But in each of those races you ticked off, Tony, in, in uh, you know, with, with the, the governor of Michigan, with the governor of Florida, they should all be forced to take positions about their national views. Uh, and, and they are views that are anti-democratic. They are views that are anti-women. They're anti-environment. They're pro-gun. These are all absolutely, each one alone is devastating. And guess what? September, the month I just talked about, this committee with Liz Cheney showing, you know, Democrats how to be strong, the committee will be meeting again on primetime television in September. So, hey, I'm looking forward to the new season. I can't mm-hmm. wait to have yeah. you on for the new season of the uh, Select Committee. Any, anytime, anywhere, you know, uh, uh, it is, uh, listen, this has been one of the most gratifying things I've gotten to work on in my entire career was helping to work with the groups that organized, and it was a coalition of everybody. It was 150 pro-democracy groups, indivisible and common cause all these great groups coming together to build attention. We started work months in ahead, months ahead of the first hearing, June 9th. And you know, I came on with you. We talked right. about this. We had to build awareness. Everyone said, no one's going to pay attention. It's a loser. No ratings. Nothing's going to happen. Well, when we started this it, at the beginning of June, public opinion was about split on whether Trump mm-hmm. was accountable and whether this was important to look at and, and did it make any difference and, and it was yesterday's news it's now at two-thirds and growing right it's going to break 70 percent, and those are numbers that no one can ignore mm-hmm. it's like the republicans finally figured out they couldn't ignore the veterans and had to turn their votes around after the fist bump on uh trying to kill veterans benefits i want that fist bump I'm sure you've got the clip. It should be oh, over and over and over. Oh, yeah, I, I've got. I've we've got we've got any clip that you would want. We got a great <laughs> executive producer here that can. That, I, I, that, I know that. That, I, that, I, that can spit up any kind of clip that you absolutely. Uh, he just goes on Twitter and. Josh in slow motion is always fun. Well, uh, really, really <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you. Speaking of clips and speaking of the January sixth select committee, because I actually appreciate the the talk about the organization because I think that is the difference last night. Because Adam Kinzinger, he is on the select committee, and I am grateful for what Adam Kinzinger is doing for the select committee. But this morning he's on CNN, both sides things. And the reason why is because 
a a a a representative, a sitting incumbent, a Peter Republican. Meyer. Peter Meyer, who voted against or for impeaching Trump, lost last night because Democrats said, hey, if we're going to play for democracy, we better play for the entire game. And I think I think when you're upset, when when you get Adam Kinzinger upset in this in, in this way and in this moment, you know, we're doing something right. And the organization is intense. I'm going to I'm going to have to respectfully not disagree, but. Sure. Put a yellow light, a flashing yellow light up. Yeah, absolutely. Give me a yellow light. Because playing with fire can sometimes burn you and go the wrong way. Mm -hmm. If Gibbs, the guy who wound up the Trumpist, who wound up winning that nomination, winds up winning the election, we've got another election denier in the House. And now, in fairness, the, the strategy has shown that the Democrat is likely to beat this extremist in a moderate, you know, this is Grand Rapids, this is Gerald Ford's old district. Right. I, I, I get the strategy, I do. But I, I do think, and a lot of smart people who I respect, who are not Adam Kinzinger, they're not Republicans, they're trying to both sides it, are saying, if you support a pro-autocracy person, even in the cause of trying to win the seat, you're taking a risk. And that's why flashing yellow, because if some of these people squeak through because we played this game, that's very risky. Now, the flip side is, Tony, in your own Missouri, mm-hmm. because last night, uh, candidate, uh, famous family name Bush Yes. Uh, uh, she she spent a lot of from, money from from the Anheuser Bush Budweiser Bush exactly B U S C H not the mm-hmm. George, right right not the Walker. other Bush the not original the, Bush the original the, one not what was once called the Bush crime family and and they, their crimes were like you know jaywalking compared to <laughs> but but the, this Anheuser Bush candidate uh, her full name is what what's her she's uh, um. um well, that's the thing is, is that her name is is what is got her the attention in St. Louis. Right. And, and really, when you look at the vote, yeah, when you look at the vote, um, Trudy Bush Valentine, thank yes, you. Trudy yes. Bush Valentine, thank the, you. The, um, um, I'll, I'll be full disclosure. I voted for Lucas Kuntz because well, I, 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 I actually felt like that Lucas Kuntz could beat either Eric Schmidt, Eric Greitens, or Vicki Hartzler, which were polling at the top. Now, Eric Reitens was actually polling above Vicky Hartzler, but when the vote came down, he lost big time. I mean, mm-hmm. he lost big time. And and we, we we watched last night in the state of Missouri that this rhino talk is not is not playing well. It's not a it's this Trumpism rhino, we're gonna kill rhino thing is not playing well. No, I mean, even in not. even in Missouri. Now I will but I will Schmidt is a Trumpist, right? Well, I mean Eric Schmidt, he's a scumbag. And, and yeah. the reason why I say that is because of this. He has spent taxpayers' dollars on the state side, the state taxpayers' dollars, the, our money, suing school districts for the last two years since the pandemic, N- not only just to choose what their choice was as far as how they were going to keep their staff and their students safe, whether it be mask or distancing or, or other measures that they were taking because of the pandemic. But he started to sue school districts based on surveys that they were doing, which all schools do surveys. They want to know they want to know what their districts, the makeup of their districts are. They want to know what the feelings are. A lot of districts were actually because Missouri 
Um, a lot of people during the pandemic moved out of the city into the right. more rural areas. They they had to reconstruct some of their school district. So they were doing surveys based on that. These surveys had nothing to do with political views or CRT or any of this nonsense. But Eric Schmidt was using state pa- taxpayer dollars to sue local school district, which was costing local people who pay taxes to that school district money. So he was double dipping. And the reason why is to make sure that he ran a campaign against the rhino killer, Eric Greitens. He wanted right. to get the attention. It was all about the attention to be in the mm-hmm. news. Where did he stand when you asked him the question, who's president of the United States? Well, and, and, that's, and that is important with Eric Schmidt, I think. Um, the importance there is that Eric Schmidt was one of the first attorney generals that joined Texas in their stupid little lawsuit for the coup d'etat in Pennsylvania. You remember before January 6th. 17 attorneys general, right. That's right. Mm-hmm. And he was one of the first one to jump on board as soon as Ken Paxton, that criminal down in Texas, decided to sue Pennsylvania and Michigan and I think uh, Arizona and one other state. I believe there's four or five states that, that Ken Paxton sued. And Eric Schmidt jumped right on the bandwagon of the coup d'etat. He wanted to overthrow the, the country's vote. He wanted but to overthrow as he, our vote. As he backed off, my question is, if you ask him today, mm-hmm. uh, we know what Kerry Lake says. What what does he say about was the election a fraud? Is what? he still saying the same thing today? Well, I think I think it's a good question to ask him and the yeah. journalist and Democrats should really pressure him. And I hope Bush Valentine does pressure him and not only pressures him on um, who is the president of the United States, which is a simple answer. It's a simple, easy answer for anyone, for anyone who believes in democracy, but also the question of where Eric Schmidt stands on making sure that women have access. Absolutely. Access mm-hmm. to health care. And because- that's why women candidates this year and this I was for Lucas Kuhn as well and full disclosure you know that i i right I, mm-hmm. one candidate i have already sent a text this morning encouraging his people not to be disheartened they run a great race way underfunded compared to her she could write big checks i hope he stays running all he's 39 years old i hope he keeps running this uh, iraq and afghanistan veteran who's a great candidate and stays right on the ground running against josh holly in two years that's uh, he he's he absolutely a great democratic nominee. what a great idea just mm-hmm. holding that momentum so you know i hope i hope he doesn't come away from this feeling disheartened he's acquitted himself very well and ran a much closer race than those polls showed that he right. would run but but to to the point of trudy bush valentine a woman on the ballot right. in november any woman candidate other than Carrie Lake and, and some of these you know MAGA women who are anti-choice, those the women candidates that we're going to field are going to be stronger by definition because they can look at a man, they can look at Eric Schmidt and say, how dare you? How dare you say I don't have those rights? And that's a very powerful argument. Mm-hmm. And more women candidates were running for House and Senate, the better off we are. Now, in your state, again, in Missouri, there's there is a rhino. There's John Wood, the the John Denver right. brought in, who was polling at about lot again polls. Let's not say we believe them, but he was getting about ten percent. And if that turns out to be true, he didn't get seven percent. Mm-hmm. It peels off some of that uh, middle ground, and that's all going to come out of uh, Schmidt. Uh, 
that's an opportunity for Trudy Bush Valentine to win that Senate race. I still don't think this is a. It, oh, absolutely not. Last night, it's not over I, at all. No, mm-hmm. I think I think I think uh, you're correct when you're talking about Trudy Bush Valentine. If if I were her political strategist, which you know this better than I do, I just yell and scream into a microphone. But if I were her political strategist, I would say I would say Trudy, there's two things that you should do. Two things is you should find those Lucas Kuntz voters in those rural Trump areas, and you should lean into this pink movement. Absolutely lean into the pink movement. And if I had advice for Lucas Goons, I would say don't stop running just like you would. But I would say be out there pounding the drum right Right. in in those areas, in those areas, because he, if you look at the the, the skills last night, he's running, he ran strong in the rural areas. He did. He he ran really strong in those Trump areas, which is really important and is gonna be really important for Bush Valentine. So if they can band together and create a team here where they're trying to campaign for democracy. For democracy, I think not only can Lucas Kuntz help Bush Valentine win that win that seat, but he can also set himself up for a great run against against uh, Josh Holland. Right, I right. mean, Josh Holly. <laughs> well, the other thing too is I think that's that's really important is is by by continuing to stay involved and not just back away from the spotlight and say, okay, I'll, right. I'll come back in a few years or whatever. He will continue to make himself a name. Right. He will he will yeah. be on, he will be on the front lines to say, I was there. I was helping. I was you know defending. I was doing all these things so that it isn't just like, oh, he was a nobody who ran. And now he's trying to do it again for a different seat or whatever it might be, but actually is there front and center on the national stage to be like, this is where I was. And I you took know, back down Gabe, to your point. One of the things that I think is really interesting about Texas, Texas is so. Jerry rigged now. Even I knew he was going to think of Beto. I knew he was going to think of Beto. I had to think of Beto because Beto has run now for, this will be his third bid for office other than his house seat. And, you know, the presidential race didn't go very well for him. Uh, the Senate race was very close. Mm-hmm. One of the best Senate races anyone can imagine. And again, because the system in Texas is so jerry rigged against a Democrat state right. walk. And it's going to be worse now with voter suppression. But Greg Abbott has been so terrible and so many things on his watch. The power grid failing, Uvalde, uh, El Paso. Mm -hmm. And who has been on the ground there in each crisis? Who's been doing what the governor should be doing? Going there and serving food to people. Yeah, Actually showing up to the funerals. Showing up for the funerals and being present. That's what Beto is. So I, you know... I'm not even ruling that out. In a year like this, and Beto has done it exactly right. He's done it with courage. He's done it with confronting. uh, You've watched him walk into that room, uh, Mm -hmm. Abbott sitting there, and say, this is on you. You're responsible. Uh, You know, that took cojones, as they Mm -hmm. say. And let's hope that, you know, a lot of people recognize who Beto is. But I I, I just want to say, there, there, I, I come back to Missouri because there was a great president from Missouri, uh, from Independence, where Lucas Kuntz now lives, a uh, guy named Harry Truman. Uh, you all remember him. I know, you know, I, I, yep, I, 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 I met him. I shook his hand. I've taken yeah. a lot of pictures with him, actually. Yeah, no, I, I, well, listen, I gave him a start in politics. Uh, and, and, <laughs> and I used to buy hats from him back before he went out of business in the hat. <laughs> but here's the thing about Harry Truman. He, he, he. You know, he, his nickname was Give Him Hell Harry. And he said, uh, 
I'm not giving the Republicans hell. I'm just telling them the truth and they think it's hell. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. that is what Democrats need to do in September, October, November. They need to tell the truth about Republicans and they're going to feel like they're in hell. Right. Because they put themselves there. They are in hell. They've, they've, they've gone to the dark side with orange Satan and that is going to come back. They all have to defend that. Right. If we make them defend all of those things, anti-democracy, anti-women, pro-gun, uh, anti-environment, you name it, they're on the wrong side of it. Well, hell, you had Rand Paul on the floor yesterday before the PAC oh, Act geez. passed talking about how asthma is some kind of trivial thing and it's not really service connected and all this nonsense. And he just he just demeaning veterans even more, giving right. more fodder for us to politicize. Because, again, I keep saying this over and over. Every Democrats have always been so scared to politicize stuff, but it seems like it's turning. And, and mm-hmm. I want to show you proof of that, which is this Beto video. Speaking of Beto. This is a Trump voter. And listen to what he says about the Republican Party and Beto O'Rourke and why it is so important that we make sure to politicize these issues. Just the issues like you were talking about, not just like the power grid for for Greg Abbott, but guns, abortion, women's rights in Texas. I mean, all these extreme views that Greg Abbott has adopted because he asked, you know, the tail is wagging the dog. But listen to this voter here that they captured and why he's supporting Beto. I've been a lifelong Republican voter. Actually voted for Donald Trump. Absolutely. 100% Beto supporter. Um, he's very intelligent. He has well thought out, you know, approaches. And you spend a little time listening to him. Take a little time and listen to what he has to say about these different issues. Because it's not right or left. It's about Texas. And that's what we need to hear. Ooh. We don't hear that out of mm-hmm. right just seem to get progressively and progressively far more extreme, far away from the Republican Party that I remembered, you know, as a younger person. So I really had to take a hard look at myself, take a hard look at what I believed and what I supported. And I just found myself in a position where I could not support that side of the aisle. Uh, Absolutely a lifelong Republican voter. And uh, I am voting for Beto O'Rourke for governor of the state of Texas. Boom. And I think I think paid for by, you know, Beto. Uh, Is that a spot that's running? Uh, uh, Beto actually posted that on on Twitter. Um, But this is a gentleman who is a lifelong Republican has. And and these exist in, in the landscape. And I think, David, that it is so important that people remember we have not had a national election. We as a nation have not told the Republican Party yet what we think about January 6th. And in the meantime, in the meantime, they lied and gaslighted us about gas and about all the, about the, the war in Ukraine. They've been gaslighting us about women's rights and Roe and on and on and on it goes. And I think they've had a miscalculation here. And just as I said in the beginning, I think the pro-democracy part of this election and hopefully the next two, three, four, five cycles, that pro-democracy part. And that engagement mm-hmm. is starting to bake in the cake because we've always had Republican engagement baked in the cake with their media apparatus, with their organization, with their gaslighting, with their lies. But now we have taken back control as a pro-democracy uh, 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 organization in that it's just people who believe that, yes, we should have a vote. Yes, we should have rights and we should let the people speak. We, the people, are the government. Mm-hmm. We are the government. 
you, you know, I'm so happy to hear you say that because that is government is us. Right. It's been my mantra for since Ronald Reagan started saying, you know, pointing at the government, saying that's the worst thing ever. Uh, you know, uh, the thing people fear most is I'm from the government. I'm here to help. Once the government was demonized and it became the other, it right. became that in 1980 and then, you know, for the last 40 years, people forget we, us, everyone here, we're the government, police people, teachers, fire people, people who work on your roads, we're the government. That is the government. And and if you make it the other, if you make it some evil thing, of course, people are going to be afraid of it mm-hmm. or hate it. But when you realize what you just said, we are the government. The government is us, not somebody else. And we also have a responsibility to take care of each other by being responsible citizens. It's not just a vote. You've got to be a citizen all year long. That is what government used to be about back with your friend and mine, Harry Truman, back with FDR, who I know you also remember well, uh, <laughs> who, who understood that that government could change people's lives in, in the Tennessee Valley Authority or Social Security or all of the things that government did that we take for granted now. But it, you, good luck trying to take that away. Um, so let me ask you a quick history question. You you know FDR, you remember him well. Do you remember he had a little dog? He had a little yeah, of course. I, I remember, yeah, going to the house and petting the dog and okay. Uh, here, here's it, you may, you know, it's it's morning, it's you know, it's late night election results, mm-hmm. so you're probably fading a little bit on remembering the dog. Sure. <laughs> let me the picture for you. He had a little dog, a little terrier dog mm-hmm. that uh was beautiful little dog, but the Republicans then, like the Republicans now, got personal and ugly. Mm-hmm. And they attacked everything about FDR. They attacked his wife. They attacked him. It was all personal, invective, you know, terrible, horrible stuff like we now see coming out of Trump's mouth. But they were pretty bad. Seems pretty Republican. Yeah. And finally, finally, the Republicans said something about his little dog. So FDR flipped the script and he said, I can take it. Uh, If they attack me, that's fine. But they're even attacking my little dog. The dog's name was Fala, Mm -hmm. F-A-L-A. And that dog became the most famous dog in America. There's a statue of that dog right now, as big as FDR statue. And it turned around because it showed how petty and venal that the the uh, the Republicans were so. If you'll allow me a moment of a verisimilitude, um, oh, he's going to show us his little dog. Uh, this <laughs> is my little dog Fala, who I just got. Oh, and his name is Fala, named in honor of FDR. The actual full name of Fala, which I didn't know myself, you'd think I'd remember, was uh, named after a Scottish figure from the 1400s named Murray the Outlaw of Fallah Hill. So his hmm. full name is Murray the Outlaw of Fallah Hill. <laughs> but Fallah for sure. Fala, right, right. But this is his first on-camera appearance on your show, your guys' show. Right. So Fallah, say hi to Jorge. Say hi. He's, he's saying hi to our, my friend Jorge and <laughs> that's Tony and that's Gabe. 
Hello. Oh, hi. We go. The, audience, the audience loves the animals. Yeah. They love yeah, yeah. It, Gabe's, well, Gabe's dogs always make a special. Yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll hang out in the background, you know, sometimes. But I think on the dog point, you know, there is a especially now on the internet, there's actually a doc called Don't Fuck with Cats. It's a it's a crazy documentary on Netflix. But there is a certain uh rule amongst humans, which is you do not attack those that are weaker, especially animals, right? Your pets, your dogs, your cats, whatever it might be. But as soon as you brought up the terrier, I was like, I had this image of uh, of the Wizard of Oz, right? And the Wicked Witch saying, you know, I'll come after you and your little dog too, and right? And like, that it. is the Republican Party. But when you <laughs> when you start coming after something that's, that's your pet, right? The people yeah. love their pets, you know, to the ends of the earth, right? Yep. When you go after that, that's like, yeah, that's, that is a, that is a new low. That is a low that you should not go. It's like, you don't attack kids. Don't attack pets. There is a certain understood rule. And as soon as you break that rule, then you know that that group that is coming after them is not to be trusted. And Gabe, to your point about the weaker, that's what Trump has. And Trumpism has always been about is right. punching, punching down, mm-hmm. hitting more vulnerable people, going mm-hmm. after. Uh, people of color, women, uh, right. going after vulnerabilities, going after people with disabilities. Exactly. Being down. And of course, the, the metaphor is, you know, the little dog. But it, you know what? They've always done this. Mm-hmm. This is who they are. And if we remember, you know, uh, as has famously been said, if, if people tell you who they are, believe them. And Republicans right. are exactly who they say they are. Mm-hmm. We just have to remind people of that really right. well. Right. Well, it's the, the projection is a confession. You know, earlier you said that they're they feel like they're being attacked, right? Or they feel like they're in hell. Well, it's only because, like you said, it is true. It is them feeling the consequences of their actions. There is no cancel culture. They're not getting canceled. It's all consequences, right? There is an equal and opposite reaction to the action that they took. Right. And so uh, earlier you also mentioned about how like the government is us. And I think a line from that video from that better supporter, it was so key. And I think so important is he says, this isn't a right or left issue. This is a Texas issue. This is about Texas. And I think at its fundamental core, it's even more, uh, more simple than that. Right. It's not just Texas. It's human, right? It is human rights, human human accessibility to certain rights that we should have as citizens of this country. And so it's not a right or a left thing. These are, these are uh, rights that we should have as veterans, right? As women, as uh, same sex couples, whatever they might be, these are rights that we should have. And it's not, you know, it, 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 again, it's not a right or a left thing. It's just being a decent human being and caring for those who have helped put you into your position to represent the rest of people. But as soon as you fail them, you know, they're in hell because they're not, you know, they're, they all of a sudden feel like they're the victim. Right. And that's what Republicans do. Unless there's accountability, they do it again. Right. Exactly. Someone wisely said about January 6th, if they're not held accountable for it, it was a dress rehearsal. Mm -hmm. And next time they put on the show, Right. Next time the curtain comes down on our democracy. So we have we have work to do. We have miles to go before we sleep. I'm going to feed Fala here. <laughs> well, one, one more thing before we go, David, I want to show you what accountability looks like. This is the AP, AP was in the room. Ah, with these magnificent women. 
with these magnificent women when the, when the vote came in and I they, want to see this. And they got to celebrate to it too. <laughs> so let's watch the celebration and 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 the fascist in Kansas being held accountable here. Watch. Dallas, that's democracy. <laughs> and you see women here of all stripes. This isn't just cookie cutter. These are these are women of color. These are men that are supporting women. I want to see the men, exactly. And there are men in that one, too. Mm-hmm. It's very important. But there's a great interview coming up um, that the AP did with one of the organizers on the ground. And she talks you know, about we have uh, worked so hard for the past um, year, but the you know, last couple of months to really, um, you know, communicate with voters about what is, what is at stake and really what it, what was at stake was our constitutional rights and our freedom. And so, um, you know, a coalition of voters across the political spectrum came together today and voted no. They voted no um, to protect their neighbors. Um, they voted no on changing the Constitution um, and really, um, you know, demonstrated our free state roots. Um, here in Kansas are alive and well. I'm super proud to be from Kansas tonight, and I feel like my state just showed up and boldly told me that they are going to take care of me and my female friends and everyone that can get pregnant in the state of Kansas. We are protected tonight. I implore everyone out there, go be Kansas. Be Kansas. Let's Mm -hmm. be Kansas, and let's show them what democracy can do. Let me close with that line. There is nothing the matter with Kansas. Not not a goddamn Everything thing. is right. And Toto, we're going back to Kansas. That's great. <laughs> David, thank you for joining us. I look forward to this select hearing season two. Mm-hmm. I hope you join Absolutely. us every and single one. I know listen, you joined us before. You, you know what? Uh, I, I don't think we're going to have the greatest news. I hope I'm wrong. Uh, I don't have a lot of confidence in the Republicans of Wyoming, but that election's in a couple of weeks. Right. So if you want to talk after that, let's talk after that. Because yeah, I, don't sure. think Cheney, I don't think Liz Cheney is going to care a whit. She is doing what she believes is right. And if the Republican voters of Wyoming have lost their minds, then, you know, so much for it. I think she'll run a closer race than a lot of people. Right. Um, but, but, you know, it is what it is in Republican primaries now. That, and, and that, by the way, is the great news for the general election. It is. Yeah. Well, so, thank, gentlemen, thank, you, thank you, David, for joining us. It was so great to have you. Uh, everyone, thank stick you. around. We will be right back right after these messages. Thank you, David. Have a great day. You too. Dr. Rachel Bittacoffer, thanks for joining us. How are you, Rachel? I really love my my dance. Apparently, I have a whole dance that Gabe does. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. You know, anytime, anytime Rachel comes over, <laughs> woo Boom, yeah. boom, I love how boom. like it's it is literally like the hippie shuffle too. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm that's so excited to have you, Rachel. That's what we I'm call so the damn band audiences, Tony. If you've never seen these guys, you know, if you've ever been to a Grateful Dead show or anything like that, you get get a lot of people just do 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 do. do. Breaking breaking news! It's the breaking news! White person dance, man. <laughs> Break, breaking news: Doctor Rachel Bittigoffer is a deadhead. Um, breaking breaking news: Rachel, I'm so excited to have you. It's been a while since you've been on. You've been super busy, and rightfully so, because we've been trying to get this messaging out there. Me and you have been talking about it for months and months and months. And I think, I think we are in a position to say that it's starting to take hold and it's starting to work. People are paying attention to what 
The Republicans are trying to take away from America, which is democracy. They're paying attention. I saw I saw a statistic this morning that they're saying that 20 percent of those ballots marked. No, you will not take my bodily autonomy away in Kansas. Didn't mark anything else on the ballot. What do you think that means? <laughs> I mean, it's affirming, right? I mean, no, the reason why primaries don't generally hit 43, 45% turnout is because there's no heuristic on a ballot. So people like you and I, we care enough and we know who these people are and we'll go and pick somebody. But most of the electorates, like, dude, I, if, without that party label to tell me which person to, to vote for, I really don't want to deal with it, you know? And so I do think that there was a lot of, of excess turnout. And I'm not surprised at all that they only filled out the one thing on the ballot that they came there to do. Right. I mean, well, I, mean to, to, I, I would not have allowed that to happen. <laughs> Don't don't get me wrong. I would not have wanted that to happen if the messaging Cyrus right. so saw some activists bitching online about oh how the Novo got fifteen percent more than the Democratic whatever right. And I'm like, listen, mm-hmm. dude, if you want that people to connect that no vote to Democrats, you got to make that league. You got to make that connection. That's right. Them. We got to bake that in the cake. And I think it's starting this idea that Republicans really are the party that are trying to take away your liberty. They're trying to take away your way of life. I think it's starting to bake in. And that's what that tells us, because these are people who don't want to be politically active. That's what it tells me. Like these people don't want to vote for Republican or Democrat. Like you said, they really don't want to engage in the civics, the body politic, but they do not do not want the government, Republicans especially, telling them they can't have their liberty. It's ridiculous to think that in this country you're going to try to take away my liberty just because you take power and you think that your religion is over our state. I don't think so. And I think that's what it shows in Kansas specifically. And I think it means a lot for other states like Texas, Georgia, and even Pennsylvania and Ohio. How do those races, um, how how do you think those races are affected by what we have now know in Kansas that is that is happening to the Republican Party. Well, listen, I mean, what happened in Kansas isn't because of Kansas, okay? It's because right. Roe was eviscerated and they wanted this thing on the ballot, right? So, I mean, yeah, it was a direct question. Should we amend the Constitution so we can get rid of abortion? And that's kind of a, a unique circumstance that allows, is it allows the messaging to kind of focus on the issue and not on, on parties or partisan politics so much. But generally speaking, when we think about wedging abortion for these candidates that are running in the Senate, governor's races, state legislature, all the way down the school board, honestly, <laughs> what you want to be doing is, is uh, making it clear this person's a Republican, the Republican Party is stealing your freedom. Well, I, I think you're right. I, I, I had our great friend uh, David Bender on yesterday, another great political strategist. Don't tell David I said this. And I don't think he would mind. You're my favorite political strategist. I'm picking favorites here. But <laughs> what you you love the F word. That's what is near and dear to my heart. <laughs> no, that is not true. Gabe knows, even in private, I call Dr. Rachel Whittaker my favorite. Yes, political that is true. Okay. I can confirm. I'll take I, like I stick to it. I stick to it, Rachel. But um, David Bender uh, alluded to yesterday here in Missouri, we watched Eric Greitens get trounced 
because of his not only his record, but his dumb fuckery in that he actually believed that this idea that he was going to he was going to project that he was going to kill dissidents in his party was going to get people in his party to vote for him. This is really stupid shit. It's the same stuff like <laughs> Carrie Lake is doing with this Maricopa County vote. Like you're going to suppress your vote in the general, even if you win, you bonehead. But yeah. I guess my David's point was this is that what is. And, and he made this point. What is Eric Schmidt, who is the attorney general in Missouri? What's his stand on Roe v. Wade? Right. And I think that's important. What David is trying to say is we need to get every single one of these candidates, yes. whether it's for Senate, governor, legislator, all the way down to the goddamn dog catcher to tell yeah, us. Yeah. Because it's so important about the Roe decision, not exactly what their personal feelings are about Roe and abortion, but where do you stand on taking away Americans' rights? Where do you stand on that? Because I think that oh, is no. the issue. I think that is yeah. the issue. And, you know, like interfacing with a with a politician in an interview is one thing. I care more about the messaging strategy that gets deployed to defeat them, right? And, like, you know, here's the thing is, like, it doesn't, it doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't fucking matter if Susan Collins is tells everyone she's pro-choice but bro- voted for, you know, this court to, to undermine Roe. What matters is this. The Republican Party has eviscerated the right for privacy for women and is coming after the right to privacy for other marginalized groups. (laughs) And it doesn't matter if individual candidate is proclaims to be more moderate on abortion or support the exceptions. What matters is the reality of what the Republican Party has done and is doing. So every one of them should be run against as if they personally eviscerated Roe. And took away every exception that was, you know, um, critical, at really even within their own coalition to making it popular. So what you're saying is we should chain this road decision to their ankles before we throw them into the ocean of you're out of government. Is that what you're saying? Because I think what you're saying is it doesn't matter what the hell they say. Because they're going right. to lie no matter what. Mm-hmm. What we have didn't to do- matter that Jamie Harrison never wanted to fund the police. Okay, what did they do in right. South Carolina to beat Jamie Harrison? They told all those white voters down there this black dude wants to defund the police. Okay, so why do why for them? I mean, if we're going to go in this and we're in a fucking war, okay, keep in mind. So we have to like we have to or, or neutralize these asymmetries, and that's one of our worst asymmetries. Is this assumption that it has to be technically correct? for the mm-hmm. technical person that I'm running against when that right. same quarter is never, never extended to us. And so what I'm trying to teach people is this. I don't give a shit if you're running at the state local level. I don't care if you're running for a federal office. Tie your person to the Republican Party and then make sure people understand that the Republican Party is a terrible, stinky turd that no one wants to touch. And she wonders why I call her my favorite political. <laughs> well, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, she was very, she was very high end analysis. Stinky turn. Right, right. Well, hey, hey that, that is what we need to have. I believe right. that is the messaging because it, so long liberals have talked over people when we just need to sit down at the table and talk to them. Gabe, yeah. what's well, I, well, I was going to say to add on to Rachel's point about how you need to tie this directly to the, the person that is running because, like, obviously, if you can put a talking point to a face, then that's it, right? You've already established a connection. You know, that person is not good or that person is good, depending on which side you're going for because of X, Y, Z, right? It's, it's when you think of a concept or an idea or a platform as an, uh, 
as something that is abstract, it's hard to associate. But if you can see it as a person, you can yep. humanize it, then it is very effective. And I think that is so true here where it's like, yeah, you know, Democrats, we want to play fair, we want to take the high moral ground, all that stuff. But mm. you have to, you know, whether it's speaking in hyperbole, which then, you know, hyperbole actually ends up being reality, right? It's like they want to marry your kids. They want to do this. They want to, you know, make sure that little girls have your children. It's It's gone yeah. from like, that's crazy and extreme. No one would do that to within a short period of time. It's like, it's that happening. is reality. So when you know, whether you're technically right or not, it's like, it doesn't fucking matter. Cause at the end of the day, they're going to take that extreme angle and make it a reality. So you might as well just jump to that conclusion. Cause they're inevitably going to end up there. And it's, 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 it's more than might as well. If you do not do this transition on your message, you will lose. Okay. <laughs> so right. like, you need to do yeah. it. It's not about might as well. It's about like, you know, survival, political survival. And when the opposition party is doing that broad-based branding, you, 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 here's the thing. Jamie Harrison spent months trying to clarify his stance on defund the police, right? So who gives a shit if Susan Collins spends months trying to clarify her stance on, on Roe? I could give two shits, dude. I hope she does because it means she's on defense and that my messaging worked. Well, you know, speaking of being on defense and messaging, um, we watched as comedian John Stewart absolutely destroyed not just the Republican Party on this PAC Act, but destroyed specific Republicans, Ted Cruz in particular. Um, and that's the kind of message that we need. When I when I watched the press conference, because we watched it live here on the show, just as it, well, it was right after it happened. And John Stewart was in front of a microphone pointing at the Capitol. And calling Republicans those motherfuckers, that was the quotes, mm -hmm. those motherfuckers. He pointed and yep. said those words, and he was talking yep. about Republicans who were voting against this. I was like, it, it's going to this. This is the movement that is going to take us to another place. And the reason why is because the paradigm has to shift and it has to shift away from we're always us. Liberals are always defending our strength, which is there. Liberalism is strength. People liberalism yep. is not weakness. Mm -hmm. Authoritarianism is the easy road. That's yep. the easy road to let one person decide what the fuck you're going to do or what you're not going to do. Liberalism yep. is tough. Democracy is hard. So the messaging, yep. I, I agree with you. Like, we have to not let up on these idiots. And Jon Stewart didn't. Like, he went right. everywhere he could possibly go. No doubt. And Yeah. And it yeah, happened if we could get, like... I mean, here's the thing is like I would say to John, dude, and and you can you can look through like the comments that he made at that presser and then the one yesterday, at the you know, when it was announced that it would be signed. And, you know, he's like never have so have a group of people sacrifice so much to get so little. Right. And he was so right. frustrated because like his point about that is that the Republican part of our country's government is broken and not it can't even give veteran health benefits for armpits what else it can't do any fucking thing right so like what i would say to john is i know he's really tired because he has invested so much emotional energy and months and months and months but like we can't have we can't have him let up we need that kind of outrage every single day from our a-list people a-list celebrities because unfortunately most people in america don't watch any news any politics but you know what they do love is celebrity and it is shitty that you want it, that I'm telling you, hey, we should rely on people on Hollywood celebs to help save democracy. But I'm going to tell you, if you want to move people, that's how you do it. 
Well, and he did it in such a selfless way, Rachel. Like yeah. this was such a selfish way. And and he and the reason why it was so effective is because he did the exact same thing with the first responders and their yeah. survivor, the first mm-hmm. responders survivors in 9-11 when Congress and Republicans were doing the exact same thing to them when they were like, oh, we love our first responders. And right. We Always remember, never, never forget right. 9-11. And then know? they yeah. shit all over them. Yeah. Um, but well, he did the same yeah. thing. I think that's why he's so effective. Um, yes, but I, yeah. I'm trying to find a picture here. Here it is. I want to show you a, a picture here, which is one of the most beautiful things to come out of this whole thing. Yeah. Here is John Stewart <laughs> standing there. And I and and and, and I, I agree with you that the celebrity isn't as important as the messaging. And the mm-hmm. reason why it's that selfless message from John Stewart, because he wasn't there to talk about him. He wasn't there to sell his message, sell no his shit. book. It was raw he and was, authentic. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Because it yeah. truly is a passion of John's that yeah. that these veterans get the money because he is sick and tired of the government in general. We, the people, us, we're the government. Yeah, yeah. Not yeah. giving, not no giving. shit, Tony. I mean, when I say, listen, we need celebrities to get involved. I, the last fucking thing I need is like, you know, yes, we can videos. Okay, those are all fine and dandy, but that is not what I mean. And we, right. you, we have a huge asset in Hollywood that we never utilized properly in terms of moving and shaping public opinion. And this is an all hands on deck moment. So if you happen to be an A-list Liberty, and I know they all listen to Tony Michaels and Gabe Sanchez's podcast, and please you know, get angry for democracy and start mm-hmm. to, to use your huge following. I mean, IRT and I hit 140,000. John Stewart hits like what? I don't know, 10 million. So there's no comparison. And, and so it's that celebrity audience size. They, have what we need access to people that avoid politics right and they can pass that messaging on to people and have Mm -hmm. that strategic outrage you coined that phrase here on this show i believe strategic outrage and we have (laughs) pounded that drum and pounded that drum and pounded that drum because i think it's so appropriate and that's exactly what john stewart did he was pulling over on the set it reminded me like when you've come on the show and you're in your truck like (laughs) With your cell phone, John Stewart pulled over on the side of the road and he is holding his cell phone to do an interview with Newsmax and Fox yeah. News. The anyway. whole day from from morning right. till night was probably yeah, on the same side of the hours, road. I think to get home because of that, dude. Yeah. <laughs> well, from DCA. And-, and it should take like, you know. About three and a half, if the traffic's okay. <laughs> but that's how that—that's how you know that it was selfless, though, is because he was begging Fox News to get in front of those viewers because he, John John knows something about media, and and the reason why he does is because he's he's always been so brilliant at it with the Daily Show, but he's so brilliant with media. He knew that the Fox News viewers, who those people are, if they actually got just a whiff of the truth of this Pact Act that they would hold these Republican senators, their senators accountable, like Ted Cruz and Ron Johnson and all these despicable, vile pieces of shit who decided to tuck tail and run on this because Manchin did a deal with Schumer. Like, that's literally what happened. It's such a strategically unforced... I mean, it's rare that Republicans make unforced errors. So when they do, we should capitalize on them. Mm -hmm. And it was an unforced error to do this. I mean, there's absolutely no benefit politically for them to do this. And because we're starting to turn this Titanic and have the infrastructure in place to amplify events like Jon Stewart, too, it really is... It hurt them. Like, it, we made reputational and brand like movement, yep. we gained ground, not just the cycle, but just broadly speaking, 
because the Republican Party shit on our burn vets, right? right? And and we didn't let them do it in a vacuum. Well, right. that's right. Because Gabe, we talked to David Bender yesterday about the same thing about organizing, mm-hmm. uh, and and it it feels like almost the January sixth select committee and some of that organizing behind the select committee and the messaging that was there. It feels like that apparatus is almost. Um, part of the machine now, like like it, it has caused the Democrats to go, oh, you know what? If we just get organized and we just pump right. a message and right. everyone amplifies that message, then yeah. everyone will hear it. And we talked about with that with David Bender yesterday, Gabe. Yeah, that right. is no, getting some. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm sorry, Gabe. You said Gabe. No, no. I was just going to say, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like it's you know, it's what we've been saying, you know, during this whole conversation right now, which is like you know, identify, especially identifying a strong, powerful voice with a large you know, base, like someone like John Stewart, who is, you know, outside of being a comedian and someone who's a celebrity, like he's just a normal person. He's not a politician, right? He entered politics through comedy yep. and has mm-hmm. made his, his career that way. And uh, you look at this and you're like, well, if everyone can follow and echo exactly what he is saying, right? That outrage would be like, yeah, I'm also fucking pissed off. This is nuts, right? Can echo the same thing that he's saying, which is again, you know, outside of being a celebrity, he's just another person, uh, then it can be very effective, right? You know, getting on that box and saying, this is what we're going to talk about. And everyone says, okay, this is what we're going to talk about. And just, yeah. just you know, mo- not too long ago, we were talking about associating with uh, with um, talking points or like platforms with people. And Jon Stewart did a great job, you know, hitting Toomey, hitting Ted Cruz. For whatever dumb reason, these people wanted to double down. And every time Jon Stewart went on the air, he was like, I've asked them again and again and again, and I will ask you guys, find the part in the bill that was changed. No one can do it because it wasn't. Yes, well, exactly. And, and, right. and, he, he totally got the matrix right apart with that. Right. Well, and, and the other thing too, Rachel, back to this January select machine, because you're talking about this ampl- amplification machine. Do you believe that that because it's, I don't think January 6th select committee and the evidence that happened on the coup d'etat attempt, the Cheeto dust kangaroo coup, as I call it. um, I believe that's tied directly to Roe. That's overturning Roe is part of the coup attempt. They are attempting a coup. That is the whole point. They're trying to take away your liberty. That is part of the coup. So do you do you think that. Um, Democrats really pushing behind where they got a television producer to produce the the actual event or the 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 hearings, the season one, as it were. But do you think organizing and developing behind that machine ha- will help Democrats in the midterms and even going forward that, hey, if we do organize, if we do stick together on these issues and we do stick together on this messaging, we can beat these son of a bitches all day long. Easy. That's exactly easily. I mean, at the end Mm -hmm. of the day, what I sell is pretty is a pretty um, harsh medicine. (laughs) But but (laughs) but what but but what I'm promising people is like, look, if we make these changes, right? There's more. We we will fucking dominate these people electorally. It will take some time, but we we will. I mean, they they the goal is to like if that the reason the Republican Party has continued to get worse and worse, and now it's like Carrie Lake's party is because there's been no accountability at the ballot box for them. We must 
make them pay electorally. There's only one check that we can serve the Republican Party that they give a fuck about, and that is power and seats, right? So if we can make them pay electorally in the long term, we would force them to reassess whether they really should just abandon all um, caution and go full, full fascist. Well, and and maybe maybe they either create a different because we do have a two party system and we've had this fucking stupid thing with Andrew Yang, which I'm not even going to get into. It's not even worth talking about, really, because we have a two party system, not a three party system. Yeah, don't talk about Andrew Yang. Fuck that guy, dude. Fuck fuck him. (laughs) Fuck him twice. But the, the point is, the point is this that I'm trying to make is that that it's just. We have a two-party system, and it is the system of government, and and it is our constitutional republic. The problem that we really have is we don't have two parties interested in that republic, and that's the strain that we have. When you have Carrie Lake, which you brought up Carrie Lake, and fucking lunatic, she is literally, this morning I think still, talking about how the election she might win was rigged. By who? I, I tried to say this in the first three minutes. Like, why would if Democrats? I mean, Rachel, I know if you were going to rig it, you would rig it for the candidate who got like two percent in the poll. I would never let someone <laughs> who got thirty percent in a poll to to be the nominee if I was going to rig it. So she's not saying Democrats are rigging it. She has right. to be saying that Republicans are rigging. So which is yeah. it? Is it Democrats or evil? you know, blood sucking cabal that want to rig elections with Chavez voting machines, or is it the Republicans? She can't decide. Do you, I, I think this is very detrimental to their party, what they're doing. I think oh, it's I actually going to suppress so, dude, Because yeah. like who she's bitching about is the McCain Republicans. And there's only one place in the nation other than the Northeast, which has this really weird political, um, it's much heavier on independence and more pure independence than leaners. So it's different up there. Um, but in any case, like like with her, with Arizona, there's there are Michigan or um, uh, McCain Republicans in Arizona. We know for sure. And this is I always push back about the Lincoln Project. People, oh, it didn't do anything. Well, actually, Arizona did quite a bit because there is this this little excess part of the part. It's nothing major, guys. <laughs> but in an election that could come down to one point, it, it is incredibly important. So let's just hope that Carrie Lake does everything she can to stoke the ire of the of the small but still important McCain Republicans in Arizona because it will be those people who decide whether they have a fascist governor or not at the end of the day when when we get down mm-hmm. to it. Because I, they're also, I mean, they also, wait. you know, uh, you know, Rusty Bowers, right? The, the the Arizona rep who who came forward and talked about his experience with Rudy Giuliani saying, we don't have evidence. We've got theories, right. And the whole exchange with, with Donald Trump, like her argument again is saying that those votes were totally fair and valid. So he, he was primaried out, but if I lose, it's not fair. You know, it's just insane. You know, again, because Tony and I talked about this yesterday. It's like, you have dominion, and or, you know, and, and uh, she's complaining about 2020 and she's like, it wasn't fair then. But nothing has changed between then and now between these systems. If anything, they're probably more secure. And now she's saying, oh, if I lose, it's, it is it is definitely rigged. But if I win, all is right in the world. Well, let's, let's, well, lay out the facts <laughs> yeah. well let, let's let's lay out the facts here in Arizona. It's the Republicans who have had charge 
of these machines in these in these votes. So mm-hmm. if they didn't fix it, where the fuck are they? Obviously, I would not want someone in charge who knew there was election fraud and did nothing about it. Right. I definitely wouldn't want those people in charge. So what is Carrie Lake saying here? I want to move to one more race that uh, a lot of people are bitching about. And I think it's a great thing that Democrats did. I actually think they hit the nail on the head here. I think they should be doing everything they can to win these races, even if they have to support it, even if they support a candidate like Gibbs in Michigan against a uh, an anti-Trumper, as they call him, where he voted to impeach Donald Trump mayor. And, and, you know, like, why would you want to get rid of that Republican? We want to get rid of all of them. Let's be clear of that. Let's be clear that we want to smoke out every single one of them in our government because we never know when where this fashion fascism is going to seep in. And the fact the fact that they Democrats looked at this and and saw the investment. And I think it was like four or five hundred grand, I think, is what the number was. And and this is, I think, very few races that they picked out. This is the high profile one that they did this in where they actually participated in Republican primary. And um, it. I don't know if it pulled him over the line or not, but he did win that the, the candidate that the Democrats back because they think they can beat him easier than mayor. Um, it's not a thing. They, it's a fact. OK, we don't mm-hmm. think we can beat this dude easier than mayor. It is a fact that we can beat him easier than mayor. And we're in a situation where it will take an absolute divine intervention for us to hit 218 in the House of Representatives and to save the House of Representatives majority from what the Republican Party intends to do with it, which is to turn it into a shit show. Right? So we, um, you know, normal in normal times, do I think it's good to, to get involved in primaries and elevate crazy people that, you know, whatever? No, I don't. I don't think so. This is not normal times. Right. Well, and, and I think, you know, when we're in these times of... <laughs> of not of abnormal. I think you're right. We have to do abnormal things. And like you said earlier, these Republicans do this shit all the time. They do this yeah. same shit all the time where they do their damnedest to get the Democrat on the ballot that they want because they know they can beat them. They do this yeah. all all the time. And for and for anyone, anyone to shake their finger at Democrats to participate in the fight of democracy because they can again, shake all I damn day. I don't give a yeah. shit, dude. Honestly, right. we'll like, give them we'll give them is, another finger. Yeah. My job <laughs> is to keep America from slipping into a fascist hellhole. And in, in in pursuit of that goal, I'm gonna be straight with everybody. I deal in lead. Right. Well, and and I think um I think it was Adam Parkamenko that made the point on a CNN interview, he said, look, Democrats are choosing selectively these races because what you said, we know we can beat this candidate and we know it's an investment that is worth it in the long run for democracy. This isn't a choice of anti-democracy. And I actually called that Adam Kinzinger um, the other day because he went and he went on a tirade saying, I don't want to hear it from Democrats that they're pro-democracy, but they're supporting this candidate. They're not supporting that candidate, Adam. And that both sides shit is exactly why I, even though he's doing the great thing of being on the select committee, you still have to know who these Republicans are. You have to understand who these yeah. are. This is not a both sides issue. There's mm-hmm. not a both that sides. I've been training people to, you know, to take criticism like that and understand it's going to come if you make moves like investing right. to, you know, uh, replace a moderate Republican with a nut. Right. Um, you're going to get all kinds of criticism. But, you know, at the end of the day, the people who are, are enacting these strategies who that we don't people don't have a choice. 
We people who are making decisions right now as to what to do. And for me personally, that's tapping into fear and threat emotions to improve turnout and to push independent voters away from Republicans. But in this case, it was, you know, somebody spending to elevate a primary candidate. The stuff we're doing is only being done under the recognition that we're all hands on deck, take out every stop. If we don't hold Congress here, we may never see a free and fair election in 2024. And that may be the last free and fair election we do see. So, you know, at this point, thinking about long-term consequences is not, you have to, you have to balance stuff, right? And some, and when things are good, long-term consequences matter a lot. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But when things have been ignored and left this far, because by the way, it is our failure to reposition ourselves and to, and to make these changes 10 years ago that have left us in the position where we are literally looking at fascism overtaking the American government. So like it's, it's, I would argue to people we've waited way too long to do shit like this. Right. I I agree with you. Um, And we're glad to have you in the fight. I'm so glad you are on our side, not on Mm -hmm. their side because you would be kicking our ass if you were. So I'm glad you're out there. You're kicking ass and taking names. Thank you, Rachel, for everything. And you apparently do. making $800,000 a day, guys. I mean, shit, you guys are in the wrong business. You should turn into, you know, Alex Jones and fucking yeah. get a million. I mean, I've got day, some, so. I've got some herbal pills I can <laughs> hawk on the show. Yeah, well, Rachel, Rachel, give us give us your plug for your herbal your herbal supplements. No, I'm just kidding. Everyone go follow everyone go follow Dr. Rachel Bittacoffer on Twitter at Rachel Bittacoffer. Please follow, pay attention to her messaging. She tweets it every day, all day. You can see the messaging right there, right there on it. her Twitter take page. It. Uh Rachel, right? the other thing the- too is yeah, right. take the advice. Take the advice. <laughs> yeah. Well, you sent me a link here recently, too, of some stuff that's coming or, or soon. Can you tell us about that? Some of the messaging that's there. I'm sorry. I sent you what? I'm well, sorry. Some kind of packet. It was like it was like uh, some stuff, some some messaging things. Is it? Coming? Oh, Is I, it- I, I don't know. I'm not 100 percent sure. <laughs> In any case, yes. I mean, I, I what I put out on Twitter, I put out for a reason. I, I want people to take the ideas, the concepts, hell, even literally the phrase <laughs> and take it from me, steal it from me and use it for your own purposes. I don't care because at the end of the day, what we're, we will take all hands on deck. And um, I'm much more concerned with getting as much uh, cacophony in our messaging, as much spread and volume as possible than I am about credit ever. I'm so glad you came back. We have to have you back more often, really. So uh, we need to find time in your schedule to talk about this stuff because I think it's very important. Um, Thank you very, very much, Rachel, for joining us. Dr. Rachel Bittacoff for everybody. You've been listening to the Tony Michaels Podcast. Podcast. In your face commentary of current events and political news. No rules, no boundaries. I think we've made that perfectly clear. We hope you enjoyed the show and we'll be back soon. In the meantime, follow Tony on social media at the Tony Michaels. And until next time, raise a fist and repeat after me. Fuck them. Murphy's Mule Barn, head ass speaking.